Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Pelin Keskin-Lua, producer and writer. I'm Jenny Jijong, culture writer and critic. This week, it's our end of year special. We made it, guys. Well done. Congratulations on another year to all of us, especially me and Jenny, obviously. Um, sure. <laughs> so we're going to chat all about our top picks for best films and best TV in 2022. Um, a huge caveat. We have not seen everything, so don't yes. fucking come for us if you don't hear it. Yeah, and these are just like personal faves. Everything's subjective, so this yes. is just it for us. Um, yes. And this is, I think, the third time we've done it, uh, which is actually amazing when you think about it. That is kind of nuts, yeah. And I just want to also say that if there is something that you think is missing, if you want to check if I've seen it or not, uh, please follow my letterbox and you will see my rankings and then oh, you will get yeah. mad at what my rankings might be and I apologize but that might explain why it's not in my top five okay. um, of this okay. year as well that's a nice so. little uh note of uh foreboding before we kick off um, yes <laughs> a good reminder though I I should get back to using letterboxd so maybe I'll I mean, be on there too so uh how it's gonna yeah. work is we're gonna start with film we're gonna each go for our top five um and there's overlap i'll say that forewarning so overlap. much so much overlap yes. and then we're gonna move on to tv and again our respective top fives with 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 some overlap yeah uh, so that's just how it's gonna work and i think we should just dive right into it yes so, yeah pellin how about you kick us off with what is you know one of your top five films for 2022 Right. So usually we don't rank these, but I'm just going to go out and say it. This is my favorite film of the year. This is my number one. The rest of them are a mixed bag. They can be, they can land anywhere in that top five list. Mm -hmm. But this one for sure takes the number one spot and it is Tar. Yes. This is the, obviously the the Todd Field movie starring Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tar, the renowned conductor and her downfall. Um, mm. and obviously, as we know, Lydia Tarr is a very real person. Yeah, this um, is a, this is very much uh authentic biopic. You know, we should have biopics more like this, just hidden cameras everywhere, depicting the life, the ins and the outs of this legend, this icon, our problematic favorite. Yes. So, um, what about you, Jenny? Like, where does this land? Does this land on your top five as well? Yeah, I actually have this on my list as well. Part of what I enjoy, even, it's a very good film. I like that it's kind of like, like Todd Field, I think you can tell he's kind of a lawler. Like he, yeah. this is almost a litmus test of how self-serious you are in a sense. Yes, exactly. And it like hits yeah. the exact note of trick. It's like going to get a lot of people. Um, yeah. But yeah. the ones who know, like kind of know. And that sounds really obnoxious, I think, when we say that. But it's just a type of film. And I think the film itself is like very good. But I've also just... Yeah enjoyed what's going on around this film like how people are talking about it how they're debating it all the memes that have come of it and like truly this birth of a very iconic character which is like not something you can say comes along all that often yeah and i and like you said it is a litmus test and i've seen a lot of posturing happen from people that don't like this film and i've seen also a lot of people that seem to be intimidated by the film in a very weird way and then punish the filmmaker or the film for it i say all of that to say that it's just very meta like i don't know there's just this kind of film comes to me like once every decade yeah and it's it's really really special so mm-hmm. love this it's, film it's 
tremendously funny too like just everything so funny the think pieces that have come out of this as well have been really interesting to me like we'll link some in our Substack, but just the fact that people are like oh it's a ghost story or you know half of it is imagined maybe and then they're just like theorizing and just putting all the layers just the fact that there are so many layers to pull from it just speaks to how thoughtful this film is and that's my favorite kind of film so what's next for you jenny take it away yeah, so one of my top five this year, The Banshees of Anne Sharon. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, yes. This is the the film by Martin McDonough set in Ireland during the Civil War in like around 1923. The premise is very simple. It's about two friends, one of whom decides that he doesn't want to be friends with the other one anymore. What I like about it is just like the whole range of emotions. It's truly a tragic comedy. It's it's very sad. It's very bittersweet. Uh, mostly bitter. It's it's darkly funny, and I like how a very like everyday commonplace occurrence, which is just like a friendship breakup, it is elevated and dramatized in this way. And it how it does that. It, it like speaks to very fundamental truths about what it is to be human and mm-hmm. what makes for a worthy life, like a life lived. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is. I think even on the the upper side of my top five, if yeah, I had definitely. to, if I had to like edge close to a ranking, which I'm not going to, but uh, what yeah. about you, Pellin? Same. This is also my list, pretty high up in that um, in that list. Also, it's on HBO Max now, which I'm obsessed with. I'm so I did. It was such a surprise to me when it popped up on my algorithm feed thing, um, just because more people will get to watch it. Just a beautiful film. There's a there's a, a real difficulty in making the subtext the text without it feeling inelegant. And this film just does it so well. It's so hard to do. And again, it's just something that shook me at a very core level, you know, like emotionally hit me in a way that I really didn't expect it to. And I've been thinking about it nonstop since it did. So huge, huge shout out to this film. I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. What's uh, next for you? Nope. Uh, Oh, no. Yeah. The Jordan Peele movie. Nope is... A sci-fi horror film by obviously by Jordan Peele. It's his third uh, after Get Out and Us. It's about two siblings who try to capture video evidence of a UFO that has started terrorizing their ranch. And honestly, this is this is probably my favorite movie going experience I've had all year. And mm, me too. For, I think for, I think like the last three years. Um, there's just something about um, the Spielbergness of this that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think loads of people have cited it as like an influence and everything, but you know, with the yeah. performances of Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer, who's obviously just you know a rising star, and like congratulations on her recent pregnancy announcement. <laughs> um, there's just something very very special about this, and some things didn't quite hit, but there okay. was such a smooth grasp of the tone and the feel of it. That I didn't care. And that, mm-hmm. again, like ultimately that's what matters to me. How about you? Where does it rank on, on yours? This is also on my list. I loved watching this film in a theater, like you said. It has a yeah. real blockbuster quality. It had a real like summer blockbuster quality, which is yeah. not something you get so much these days. Uh, I thought there were a lot of things going for this. I loved all the breathtaking vistas and just like the the scenery and the cinematography. I thought the characters are memorable as well as the performances. There's something quite eerie and uncanny and just like ultimately unknowable at yeah. the, the heart of this. Like that is the core of everything from 
this UFO, this creature, uh, to just like the heart of a chimp. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's all of that, but it's all wrapped in this package that is just real, like honest to God, like this is a romp. And yeah. I thought it was so fun. This is really one of the the most fun films I think I saw this year. Yeah. There's something similar about like Nope and Tar, I would say, mm-hmm. in its spirit. Just the way that it's like kind of funny, but also kind of haunting. Yeah. And is trying to say something about humanity in general and like human behavior also. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just a really, really great film. Yeah. I love this one. All right. What's next for you? So I've got The Eternal Daughter on my list. Uh, this okay. is the latest film by Joanna Hogg. Very under the radar. Yeah, I don't I will think admit I, that. I've seen this or I haven't even really heard of this. Yeah, so I think the theater run was very small, very limited. You can buy this on Apple for like 15 bucks, which I know is a huge ask. Anyway, I'm a huge Joanna Hogg fan. She is a British female filmmaker that I look up to greatly. I loved her uh, her films, The Souvenir Part 1 and 2, which are her most recent works. And she has a whole bunch of uh, films from before then too that I just love. And this stars Tilda Swinton. Um, she plays both mother and daughter, uh, which is really oh. fun. And it's kind of like a haunting Hitchcock mystery, um, but it's also deeply about a daughter's relationship to her mother. Mm-hmm. And there is something about this film that I felt kind of emotionally naked after watching it, just because. With Joanna Hogg bearing her soul, um, it just kind of like told something about me too. And I just want to mention that, like, in a year full of filmmakers making very personal films about their lives, you know, with like Armageddon Time and the Fablemans and what and so on and so forth, this this was definitely like my favorite. I haven't seen the Fablemans, but this is definitely my favorite from the other ones that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you'd really like it too, Jenny, because uh, yeah. it's yeah, it's about daughters and mothers, and you know that's our fucking bag. You know we love that. Hey, um, so I highly uh, recommend if you can f- figure out a way to watch this that yeah. you do. Yeah. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. What's next for you? Uh, so next for me, Decision to Leave, which is uh, Park Chan-wook's latest film. Excellent. This is about a detective and the suspect with whom he falls in love or yeah. becomes obsessed with, whatever your definition of love is. Yeah. One of the reasons I like this so much is because it is, I think, one of the more interesting variations on the idea of romance and love itself mm. that I feel like I've seen in recent memory. Yes. Um, yeah. It's... It boils down to just being like pure longing in this film for me and everything that goes into longing, which is usually a mixture of, you know, obsession, desire, regret. There's always a tinge of uh, bittersweet and, and some, something dark about yeah. longing. Yeah, something well. illogical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just, you know, I think I mentioned this when we talked about this in a previous episode, but for someone like me who is not that interested i think in Mm. a lot of romantic films uh this one sort of snuck up on me and it's Mm -hmm. like sort of unconventional take on romance yeah uh, that is very like it's both untraditional and and unconventional but also very like fundamental to the idea of love yeah at the same time so i i somehow like just became a sucker for this yeah i mean this is also in my top five uh 
not to be an auteurist, but if Park Chan-wook releases a film in any given year, it's going to make it in my top five, like, period. There's just, he does not miss. Um, I'm really happy that he didn't miss with this, and I'm basically echoing everything that you said. It is mm-hmm. a deeply romantic, deeply entertaining film as well. Mm-hmm. Like, th- I had a lot of fun watching this in the cinema too. Um, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot going on. And, like, again, like, in our previous episode, the technical craft of this is just mm-hmm. insane, and we have to applaud it. Sweet. What's the last thing, I guess, on your list then? Yeah, I have one more. It is The Fablemans, mm. which yes. is maybe a contentious pick. I don't know. But um, for those who don't know, this is Steven Spielberg's latest and most personal film. It's a coming-of-age drama loosely based on his own childhood, his family, and how he fell in love with filmmaking as like a young boy. Right. Uh, this film is... Definitely one that has its flaws. Mm. I think a lot of those flaws have been like debated and discussed at length among film people. I honestly could probably do without a good portion of the last third of it. I think mm. it's it runs a little long. It runs a little bit overly self indulgent at the end. Which, of course, you're you, you're getting Steven Spielberg like spilling his guts. He can do whatever he wants. That's fine. Yeah. Um. But I think like this is one of those ones where it's like despite xyz i liked it i liked something about it there is a real heart to it in its portrait of a marriage um, between you know the main character's parents the portrait of like the relationship between parent and child and how Mm -hmm. complicated but loving and fierce that can still be and a portrait of a young artist um, Mm -hmm. which is something that we are interested in i think in seeing how people fall in love with a craft and develop it and how their vision sort of changes and matures and is like affected by outside factors and internal factors. Uh, I think it had all, all of those things. And those are all things that I enjoy seeing. There's like some sort of, when I think of the Fablemans, this movie, I think of like pure golden light. Like there's a scene, especially where young Sammy, the protagonist, he's holding up this like, in his hands there's the the projection from from a film and it's so beautiful there's something magical about it it's almost yeah. like it, it's a real it has a feeling of a real like holiday film yeah like you open it up and there's some sort of present hiding in the middle yeah. of it that's just yeah. emitting this glow and that's kind of how i feel about it despite everything that you know i am not such a fan of in the film uh i think it works for very emotional reasons for me yeah absolutely i mean i haven't seen this film but i have seen stills from it and it looks Mm -hmm. gorgeous Mm -hmm. and honestly like i think with spielberg he is obviously a complete icon and legend in the film world like that aside he just brings you know for i mean i guess for better or for worse the idea of americana in cinema in modern american cinema Mm -hmm. and how that has such a huge effect on the world like the fact that my immigrant parents who don't know shit about shit when it comes to like film outside of turkey the only director they know the name of is steven spielberg like western director Mm -hmm. and that just kind of speaks to what he has done with his life and like i'm really excited to watch this because i do want to see his interpretation of like how he got there Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm more excited to to watch it now that i know that you liked it a lot too good so yeah So now we are going to move on to TV. So I will just 
start us off right now. <laughs> um, I think this will be no surprise to anyone who has listened to our podcast so far, but one of my top picks near the top, I think, mm-hmm. is Andor. Yes. Which is, of course, on Disney+. Plus. This is Tony Gilroy's superb addition to the Mm -hmm. star wars franchise Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is in short a a prequel series about how a thief becomes a rebel and a revolutionary you know we've talked about this at length uh i think there's been a lot of debate online as well over whether one can really call this tv show like leftist or socialist or or progressive or revolutionary or whatever you want to call it ignoring all that one thing (laughs) that i think we know for sure is that this is truly like expertly crafted television and mm-hmm. there's uh, a real art to this the tension and the electricity and the like the structure of this as yeah. well as the real emotion that it evokes and so it for that reason it is hands down like one of my top yeah tv shows of this year same it is my hand like my number one show like i'll, mm, I'll go ahead right. and say it. it's my number one show it probably will be for the foreseeable future depending on what the slate brings next year um yeah no i mean this is like it's two you know tony and dan gilroy the brothers like two of the best screenwriters in the business like film or tv doesn't matter they're just fucking heavyweights um this is hands down the most entertaining tv show the most thoughtful tv show that i've seen in a while um, mm. And I'm really, really excited for season two. I think they've already started filming. So oh, thank God. Thank God. All right. What's next to you, Pellin? So next for me is Severance, which I've noticed has fallen off a lot of rankings that I've seen. Have I you noticed this too? I wonder if it's recency bias, to be honest. Listen, love Severance at the top of the, top of the year. Still love it. So Severance is the first of uh, this series. It's created by Dan Erickson. It follows corporate employees whose work and non-work mind and memories are firmly severed, hence Severance, mm-hmm. discovering that not all is as it seems or that they should start questioning more things about what's going on in their work. Mm-hmm. Um both with the company and with the town there's just something off the vibes are so severely off um and <laughs> the vibes are so severely that's so, like so so off <laughs> yes and you know the first couple episodes were directed by ben stiller and he obviously has a lot of input about how this show looks um just very very fun new nothing we've ever seen before like directly references i think something that we were all feeling which is you know the separation between work and play thanks to the, the pandemic and how that has really really distanced itself from one another it just really hit perfectly at the at the right time and i just had a great like that season finale too was just the, some of the most entertaining hours of tv um that we've seen so far so yeah so this also made my top five list this year it's really just like the most gripping i think like whatever you want to call it puzzle box style show that i've ever seen maybe um Mm -hmm. almost everything i'd say almost everything just works on like total levels like from the amazing production design to the casting and the performances uh to the direction the pacing like each episode just made me more and more obsessed and want to keep going and find out what's happening and so obviously i can't wait for this to come back i think this is just really Again, that coming back to that word gripping, like you just, yeah. you have a bite, you want to keep chewing, you just want more. It's like the appetite for this that I yeah. had was just incredible. That being said, I hope we don't feel 
too bored by it. I think the thing that I'm worried about it with season two is that it won't have the same effect because the newness of the world will be over essentially. So I'm just I'm I am a little bit nervous. I I think they can deliver. Yeah, but I guess we'll don't, see this time don't next curse year them before it's even started. Oh, I love to concern troll. You know me. <laughs> What's next for you? So I think. Everyone knew this was going to come up. Uh, White Lotus. The White Lotus yes. season two. Yes. Uh, of course, this is HBO's show. This is the most recent season of the show by Mike White. Mm-hmm. Um, the second in this anthology series he's doing. Uh, so this one is set at the fictional White Lotus Resort in Sicily. And there's a whole new cast of like rich and not so rich characters to obsess over. This is just like some of the most fun tv i think this year maybe even a couple of years um, yeah. yeah it's so good at being incredibly juicy but also like very aware of how how soapy it is it's yeah. very smart without getting condescending mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's this perfect balance of soapy and prestige and i think it's honestly just a really great time all around it also like speaks to just the usual like sunday night at hbo culture yeah i think it's an event we somehow lost along the way between like game of thrones and like the house of the dragons and Mm -hmm. we're picking it back up again um i'm really enjoying it i just love how like collective it feels as well like i love that even though we don't have like what do they call it the water cooler chat Oh, uh, water like, cooler chat, the monoculture. Yeah, like we have it online, it. you know, and that's funny. Yeah, because um, people get really. I know. I love. I love everything going on with it online. Like you, you gotta just you gotta check Twitter after you the do. new episode is dropped. It's so funny. Uh, can't wait for season three. I think well, the speculation for the location is still up in the air. All right, Palin, what's next for you on your list? So I've got. The final season, season six of Better Call Saul. So we haven't really talked about this show on this podcast just because Jenny is not from the Breaking Bad I'm like world. Very behind. That's fine. I, this is this is a show that's like it's fine. Eventually, I'll get around to Breaking <laughs> Bad. I swear, it's fine if you never do, sweetheart. It's totally fine. It's just that I, if you know me, you know that I'm a huge Better Call Saul fan. I, I love it just as much as Breaking Bad. Um, if not, maybe a little bit more, uh, which is why this season is on my list because they were neck and neck and then this season happened and it overtook. So this is obviously the spin-off Breaking Bad series uh, that tells the story of Saul Goodman, the lawyer in Breaking Bad, played by Bob Odenkirk. It's created by Vince Gilligan and Peter Gold, so it's the same creators, same writers, I think. And um, yeah, just the cast is amazing. Rhea Seahorn is one of my favorite TV actors of like recent times. I think it's great that she got nominated for an, for an Emmy, but I'm really sad that she still hasn't won it. It was it was really touch and go because I think Bob Odenkirk had like a heart attack in the middle of filming this season. Mm-hmm. They had to break, come back to it. Uh, he knocked it out of the park. He was great in this as well. And then I want to give a huge shout out to Jonathan Banks, Michael Mando, and Tony Dalton. This season is just like, it's really hard to end a series, you know? And I think Breaking Bad did such a good job of ending the way that it did, and this is no exception. It's just an excellent, excellent last season of TV. Uh, so shout out to all my Better Call Saul heads. If you have not started this and you're a Breaking Bad fan, I highly recommend it. Um, question, yeah, question. Go ahead. Can I watch this if I have not watched Breaking Bad? Yes. Standalone? Yes. 
All right, cool. There are going to be refer- re- references to things that you're just not going to get, and that's fine. Yeah, just accept that reality. Yeah. It's kind of like watching House of the Dragon. You can totally watch it and not have any references, but obviously like if you knew what Game of the Thrones was about, you'd kind of get the references and the names and the surnames and all the fucking families. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like It's that kind yeah. of shit. Okay, um, that's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want like the TLDR, you can just kind of go on like Breaking Bad Wiki um, just to see who these people are, but you do not need to know. No, this is this is prequel. It happens before the events of Breaking Bad, so no. Thank you. <laughs> You're most welcome. All right, what's next for you, babe? Speaking of House the Dragon, uh, I had to put House the Dragon on my list. So this is, of course, uh, the show on HBO. It's George R. R. Martin and Ryan Condal's prequel series to Game of Thrones. Um, this one is about a succession dispute and civil war that erupts among the House Targaryen over who will mm, ascend the mm. throne. Yeah. This is, in terms of like, you know, all around execution and like writing and everything, it's not the the best work of television I saw this year. Uh, but it's certainly one of my personal vices that I think mm, yeah. kept me coming back week after week, you know, the, the Sunday watching, like we mentioned. It's yeah. an expensive, well-produced, engaging fantasy drama, which mm-hmm. is all mm-hmm. I need sometimes. That's That's... A vital part of any TV diet, I think, and this really did the trick for me. You know, it had yeah. that moment with the Rings of Power. Ultimately, this just did the genre, did the material a little bit better. Um, and I don't know, I just have a soft spot for it, even though I know that there are a, a quite a few things that could have been better. It still did the trick. Yeah, totally. I mean, you recently started reading the books, right? Yeah, yeah, it got me. <laughs> into the source material so i i this year i picked up uh the first two books in the um a song of ice and fire series mm-hmm. and i'm gonna keep going once i play some more holds uh at the library sick all right cool okay lovely uh, <laughs> all right what's next for you in your list Bellin? so the last uh the last show that is in my top five is the rehearsal which is on HBO, HBO Max. This is the first season of Nathan Fielder's latest project. Um, It's his signature blend of documentary, comedy, and something more. So the premise is that he's helping ordinary people rehearse events or conversations that basically, like if they're too nervous to do it or if they are struggling to have that, then he basically rebuilds a world um, and then gets them to rehearse it so that they actually end up feeling more comfortable doing it for real yeah this show i I find it like i dreamt it (laughs) like it wasn't real Um, but i remember but i remember that it was and i remember how much it had me in a chokehold in the weeks that it did because it was a week-to-week release every week i was just stunned you just Um, didn't know what was gonna happen next yeah just absolutely unpredictable television just the tone of it obviously like i was i've been a nathan for you fan so i knew that it was just gonna be some wacky shit but there was also like a severe amount of thoughtfulness going into this that in a in a way that felt very borderline um Mm -hmm. in terms of like ethics and there's just something very exciting about that and i know that it stirred a lot of conversation i know that it's very contentious Uh uh so that that i i just think that there's something special about 
a TV show and a creator that does that. It's um, like thought provoking work and, yes. and provocative work, which is yes. not a word that people even have to bring up that often anymore with how safe I a know. lot of creations are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to be like, people don't know how to be risky these days, but actually, like, I think the fact that this is so rare. And I think it does do a really good job of like dancing on that, right on that line. Um, and also like posing questions, being entertaining, being stunning, honestly, some weeks, uh, to watch. Anyway, I just, I just think this is incredible. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited for the next season. I'm really nervous for the next season. Um, but I am excited for it overall. Did this make your list? Did it make your top five? It actually did. And I think it, yeah. again, if I were to rank it, it came in like just, by a hair uh mm. at, at number five got it because it is a thing that the the way that I, you know i look back at some films and tv shows with like a personal sort of warmth and affection for them i don't really have that like personal feeling about this mm. but on a pure <laughs> technical level like knowing that this show is unlike anything else in tv knowing yeah. the lengths that it has gone to the, the amount of work that has gone into it and being just like breathtaking by a lot of yeah. that work and that we saw in the reveals as, you know, each episode was released. I have to give it props to that. And yeah. I think it's just so hard to actually know how to talk about it or how to wrap my mind around it yeah. because it is something yeah. like, like you said, like it feels like as if it came out of a dream and it's not yeah. quite of yeah. this world or it's of a strange uh, and twisted mind, which I guess it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's hard for me to really know how to judge it, but yeah, I think it is wholly unusual and wholly extraordinary in a sense. Yes, yeah. I mean, this ranked pretty high for me. It was like number three, mm -hmm. I would say, right after Andor and Severance. I just, I imagine it as like, if I were to have a kid or if I had, like if I was like the godmother to a kid and they were like 15, 16 and I could tell that they were like intelligent, had an eye for culture and TV and film and just like, you know, were hungry for this kind of shit. I'd be like, you want to see something crazy? <laughs> and then I'd put on the rehearsal <laughs> and uh, it would probably blow their fucking minds. And I think there's just something very um, like the whole like cult favorite thing. There's there's something very special and different about everything else. It kind of goes against the tide of what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. And for that alone, man, are you kidding me? Do you know how hard it is to fucking get a show made like that? The fact that we're even watching this show is like, blows my mind. Uh, the fact that they got so much money to build all those sets, I can't believe it. And I'm yeah. so happy. I'm so grateful that it exists, especially like given the fucking news that we've gotten recently about like shows getting cancelled and like being deleted. Um, I'm just happy that <laughs> this is something that we can kind of hang on to yeah. and keep hanging on to apparently. So yeah. 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 We'll we'll see what happens with, with the next TBD. <laughs> TBD. Yeah. Yeah. So I Sweet. guess that wraps up our top fives for, for everything. Yeah. We do yeah. have more. Like Pellin built out a whole top ten list for each category. I did. Uh, I got excited. I thought maybe we'd do top ten, but then Jenny was We're like, gonna we're gonna keep to no. our we're gonna keep to our tradition <laughs> that we've said the past two years okay um but we will <laughs> include the rest of pelon's picks like her whole numbered ranking in our newsletter why um, are you singling me out you're gonna do it too i guess yeah i i was saying i'm Come probably on. gonna build out 
my list as well, although I don't know if I've even seen enough, like, good films this year that I can do a top ten, but we'll see. We'll see. So in any case... Well, okay, maybe should... not film, but just TV at least. Sure, like, sure. Give, give me a ten a for TV. TV. You can give me seven for film. I don't give a shit. Okay, we'll see. Yeah. Whatever I have left over, I'll put in there. So Sweet. you should check out our, our newsletter, criticismisdead.substacks.com after listening to this episode and we'll have like some bonus uh rankings for you in there um just a note for the next two weeks we are gonna take them off because yeah it's the end of the year you know it's uh time for a little downtime if if yeah we can spare it but in the meantime you know did you like our our list what are you thinking for your year endless like anything else that you have to to think about or add or subtract from mm-hmm. this whole conversation going on, you can always let us know. We're at yes. criticismisdead at gmail.com, uh, taking all thoughts, notes, uh, suggestions, recommendations in there. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, criticismisdead, all one word. And like I said, you can check out our newsletter. You can rate and review us a five stars as a nice year end gift. It'd be great. That would be lovely for Christmas. Yeah. I would like that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that would be a great gift. Um, tell a friend about us. Anything you want. We are so appreciative. We made it another calendar year. Oh my somehow, god! Yeah, and we're still here. So thank you for that. I quickly want to give a shout out to everybody that had us in their Spotify end of year favorite top listen to podcasts oh, yeah the rap thing that was really nice to see i was really happy about that so thank I you know. so much guys yeah, yeah what a beautiful year a beautiful feel year free to, feel free to tag us in more of those things or just like dms or whatever yeah um it's just like it's kind of a small delight to see that every time and yeah it really is possible, so. can't believe thank it thank you so much <laughs> thank you guys have a great year happy holidays we will see you next year yeah see you next year Criticism is Dead is produced by Pelinkeskin Liu and Jenny Shijang. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and designer are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Liu.